Welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, wellness and organizational coach and yin and nidra yoga instructor. This podcast will help you create more time using organizational strategies so that you can start to simplify your life and prioritize your health. I'll be sharing conversations with other health and organizational experts and solo episodes with tips to help you simplify your life and prioritize your health. Hi, and welcome to Simply Happy Conversations. I'm Narelle King, and in this Simply Happy Conversation, I'm talking with Simone, a mum of two, nutritionalist for Play With Food, who's currently completing her master's degree in occupational therapy. Simone helps children and parents say goodbye to the stress of fussy eating. She shares how your language can influence children's food experiences, simple tips to change your language so your kids can enjoy food. She also shares useful ideas around school lunch boxes. This interview is a video recording that you can also watch on YouTube and just excuse my croaky voice in the interview. So let's jump into this Simply Happy guest conversation. I am really lucky to have with me today Simone from Play With Food. She's a nutritionist who's also studying occupational therapy at the moment and a mum of two children. And Play uh, Play With Food is around taking the stress out of fussy eaters in our family. So welcome, Simone. It's so lovely to have you. Thanks, Darrell. I'm excited to be here today. Oh, no, thank you for joining and being able to share some of your extensive knowledge and um, skills from working with, with families. So maybe start and tell us a little bit about, about you and things that you maybe do that the audience wouldn't know about. If they went to your website, they may not find that. Sure. I think, um, yeah, I suppose if you went to my website at the moment, they wouldn't know I'm doing my master's in OT because oh, I've yeah. been a bit lax in doing my website lately. <laughs> but the... Um, in terms of me, I am actually from Queensland originally. I moved to Sydney uh, via Echuca in my early 20s. I was working in the food industry um, in nutrition and quality management, and I was really involved in yeah food in general. And it was my last role when I was the quality manager and they tacked on the OHNS and employee wellbeing to my title uh, that made me kind of go, oh, I got to look into this employee wellness um, sort of thing. And I think my real aha moment for what I wanted to maybe do later, because I'd kind of been on a bit of a career trajectory and, you know, doing all the things pre-kids and very much a workaholic and just going with each next step as it came. And um, I was in the lunchroom one day and I was doing an employee wellness initiative and I brought in the slow cooker and I was making soups up for the um, shift workers on our rotational shift patterns and having a chat to them and just their appreciation for a big vat of noodles uh, soup and I brought in barley and lots of vegetables and just talking to them about it and basic food education I found was probably not uh, as high and I probably from a bit of a privileged background kind of thinking I just thought everyone knew about you know having five serves of veg a day and you know that sort of aha moment came when I thought really want to get down at the ground roots and maybe work on um, you know just having a really good appreciation for health education but not badgering people over the head with it <laughs> and I think <laughs> yeah. it had to be a really nice responsive way and I sort of 
thought that and then going into my first round of maternity leave went oh I'd really like to change it up and see what's out there and I um, started play with food from that so that's probably something that I don't talk about much but that real aha moment always comes back to my mind and going you know never take your privilege for granted or what you know about you know five serves of veg or just those um ingredients what goes together if you throw it in a slow cooker just because I know that doesn't mean everybody knows that sort of stuff so I feel like I um I'm always checking myself and I think that's something I think we should all try to do so that we are aware that we have that power to help people without you know like I said that you know yeah. brandishing the yep. health um sword sort of thing it's yep. all about supporting and uplifting people in a kind and gentle way yeah. oh that's beautiful and I know it is like that I sort of sometimes forget that people struggle with organization and even meal planning until you're like oh yeah this just comes second nature to myself but to other people it's it's more difficult and they require and they love your help and your support so it's so great to have someone like you with that knowledge and that you know willingness to share um, nutritional information so then tell us about the business journey then from that yeah, so the business into- journey um, change, has changed and morphed as I've gone through my um, journey with it. So I started Play With Food about nine years ago and it started out as community uh, fruit and veg experience classes. I just had kids come in and have a bit of a play and just enjoy it and it came from my nutrition background and I think I was only about four or five months into it when an OT came along to watch me and I was like, yeah, yeah, come Come along, no problems. And she's like, Do you know that you pretty much do feeding therapy? The way you approach it with your responsive style and the way you're engaging with the kids. And I suppose I found a bit of a superpower I didn't really know I had with just the way I can get down and play and enjoy it because you no, know, I've been in corporate land. <laughs> so <laughs> turning around and doing this as a bit of a you know business that I'd like to develop, but I hadn't, you know, grown it in my mind at that point. And having the OT come in and watch me and sort of explain you know this is what we would do in a therapy situation and um she said luckily uh, there's a really well-known feeding therapy protocol and they were coming to Westmead Hospital only a few months later she's like you should enroll in that course so I went along and I did my SOS um, feeding therapy course and that really opened a lot of doors because I met so many wonderful speech pathologists and OTs at that day or those three-day intensive course and I got to see the types of research that underpins a lot of why we need to help children get in tune with their body so that they can eat and feel confident around food. And um, it really appealed to me in my play nature, my um, wanting to empower the child, really aligned with um, a lot of what was going on with that therapy. And another OT approached me and said, would you like to come on board as our nutritionist on the feeding therapy team? So I really went into that um, sort of into my second year of business was then doing that as well. So um, I really went from just a play-based community experience to uh, definitely a more therapy working with children that had maybe more complex feeding concerns than um, some of what my mainstream sort of classes were originally. Yeah. And so do you find that you attract a certain type, like is it children who have maybe had chronic illness and feeding or is there is there a particular you know need that you seem to attract more than anything yeah I I suppose in general I do have a lot of children that have maybe sensory processing concerns or um 
have had some oral motor difficulties or pain associated with eating early mm -hmm. on. So maybe um, severe infant reflux, they might have had uh, preemie babies often will have quite challenging concerns about food. And that comes from, there's a lot of research into how preemie babies um, may end up being potentially fussier than other children. But I also find that I don't want to exclude anyone. And mm. sometimes parental stress, and that's one of the big red flags too, because that can cause a downward spiral in the whole family dynamic. So I definitely don't exclude anyone, but I do mm. find the behaviours that will cause the most concern are generally the big behaviours where there's food refusal regularly, there's dropping of favourite foods and they get less and less uh, dietary repertoire. So those sort of red flags are the ones that um, do come up a little bit more. And I, I would love to help people all across the different parts of the spectrum, but I suppose there is a bit of a myth out there of they'll just grow out of it. And people yes. sort of sit and make do with hard things more than they probably should. So I think it's really important that everyone knows it's okay to ask for help or get out there read a bit more research but don't feel like if someone said don't worry about it that you necessarily should take that advice straight away because if you have a feeling in you it's probably yeah. genuine <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and I know that feeling of you know people saying no no he's fine he's fine and going no it's not fine and even now with um a, you know a daughter Going into teenager ages, I found her palate is obviously changing as well and sensitive issues around some foods and the sound of food, eating food, is definitely a challenge that we find in our home as well. So I suppose you'd probably looking at not just young toddlers, babies, but across age groups as well. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose my approach is quite playful what I do with children. I usually work with up to about 12-year-olds just because that's probably where my skill set yeah. is, sort of that 2 to 12. Beyond that, we'd be looking at, I know some great resources and I have great people I can refer on to mm -hmm. just because you do need more of that psychology and understanding yeah. of the lifespan that's happened before as well. So there is a lot that goes into feeding. Sorry, just got a noisy car going past. Oh, you're right, <laughs> No, I can't hear it. I have okay. noisy, I have noisy children that are supposed to not really okay. be making too much noise, but they are. Um, so maybe also then talk about the language and how we can use positive language in our home. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it would really build stress. on, um, yeah, Fleur from your previous oh, yes. podcast uh, had some wonderful language swaps and I thought I'd do a bit of a shout out to mm. anyone who hasn't caught that podcast of yours because it really made me go, yes, okay, I, I like what she's saying because it definitely is in alignment with what I talk about a lot. Mm. And a lot of what I do is really about how do we change our language so that we're helping our children feel like they belong at mealtimes rather other than I want my child to fit in with what I thought we were going to be doing. And yeah. um, feeding isn't about fitting into a mould or fitting into someone else's expectations. I think we've got to remember the whole point of eating is to fill up our body and nourish ourselves and it comes from within it's not an external thing that comes from outside of us and that's what I love about responsive feeding and the way I approach it is I work with the children to reconnect with them so that they know how to you know approach a new food and feel confident that if they don't like it it's okay to spit it out and, or it's okay to have an experience with it without you know pressuring themselves or feeling pressure from other people because that external pressure is what can get in the way of just being naturally curious and 
taking on a bit of a learning mindset. So um, some of the language ideas, I have really tuned into that. And um, I suppose a couple of the ones I have today that I thought we'd talk about is taking away some of those negative sentences at the mealtime. So if you're about to say, don't throw your broccoli (laughs) or no, don't do that, the no's and the don'ts are definitely the difficult parts, I suppose, in feeding because they come from probably your childhood Mm -hmm. and they're coming out of your mouth before you really recognize that they're coming out so um one language swap i have for that is instead of saying no's or don'ts say you can and then finish the sentence so i just trained myself that instead of saying no or don't say you can and then work out what i actually wanted them to do Mm, that's a great one broccoli on the tray over there if you don't want it close to you you can spit your broccoli into the napkin rather than whatever was going to happen so giving a nice little you can instruction can help you with avoiding the negative and the benefit of that is you've given them a really specific instruction they can't say if I said don't jump on the couch but I'm in the middle of jumping on the couch and I'm getting that lovely vestibular input and I'm loving this proprioception and all of the feelings and that sensory release that I'm getting from jumping on the couch and then you say don't do it I'm like no but I feel great Mm. it's like oh you can go and jump on the trampoline outside would be so much more specific and I know what you want me to do and I'm still going to get that feeling if I do that thing. So I think if we change around from the no's and the don'ts to the you can, um, it helps in parenting anyway, but especially around food because we want them to know what to do (laughs) with food. We don't want them to know what not to do because the list of what not to do is excessive. We're really eating can be brought down to smaller tasks that are easier for them to follow. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. (laughs) I need a poster of that in our our kitchen, I think. You can. (laughs) Yeah, and then um, I suppose another few things that I thought of is I also do a bit of the yum and the yuck words. I hate saying them because they're both the why words in my vocabulary, but there's something that I've sort of brought my kids up and something that was instilled in me was not, not to yuck someone else's food because that's putting your external pressure on it. But it also goes this, the other way. If I'm saying yum, 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 yum to someone who genuinely doesn't like that food, mm-hmm. it really is another form of pressure. So I think I always talk about the yumming and the yucking of food um, can really confuse kids. They're very literal. So if we're putting a lot of these subjective terms in their heads it can get quite confusing for them so I keep to tangible ideas if I want to talk about food and I can't bite my tongue and I need to say something I was like wow that broccoli is really bright green today (laughs) rather than anything about my subjective experience of it yeah you know obviously I am a big believer of no food talk at the table is better than any food talk (laughs) but I know that some people grew up with a lot of food talk around them and they're going to find that habit really difficult to break so sometimes having that nice gentle step to moving towards a you can phrase or a Mm. oh what can I say about that food that isn't putting my opinion onto the person Mm. you know keeping it tangible will really help oh that has a big smell yes garlic (laughs) (laughs) Um, rather than oh yeah I don't like that smell you know you can imagine that feeling you get from that yeah definitely oh they are perfect they are wonderful tips that 
any age you can implement those. Like I definitely know that the uh, can't will be um, replaced here in our house around some of the things because I feel that some of it's a little bit more about um, pushback and I'm becoming a teenager. I can make my own food choices. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a great tip that you've just yeah, shared. I think that you can. And um, around their food choices, really important to let them have, you know, that I offer you the food, you can choose from it. Mm type mentality because if we are telling them they have to do things or have even more food rules the more food rules there are the harder it is to do the thing of eating (laughs) so trying to simplify it is really important so i've I've offered you that's what's on that's available that's really where the parent can um have that ownership and uh what it does is it brings up children who have autonomy and they've been making that choice for a long time and Mm. they'll know what it feels like so when they are adults and out in the world they've got a good foundation of having that autonomy for longer maybe than their peers and hopefully making good choices. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What about oh, lunch boxes? That's what I'd love. Can you just share some lunch box, like lunch ideas that, um, yeah, for possibly for older children because the other thing I suppose that happens as they get a bit older, they don't want to bring the bento box. They want to take, they don't have time to eat it. So yeah. it's going to be quick and because I'm going to get outside and kick the soccer ball as soon as the teacher lets me out. And yeah. they also have less time to eat than they would yeah. when they're younger, where they might get the full 10, 15 minutes to eat. Whereas, you know, they're older, they work up until almost the bell, they have five minutes and then they're out the door. Yeah. So quick ideas would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, this is where you work with your child and go, okay, mm. what, have, what have we got? on our repertoire what's happening how can i get the most nutrient dense thing in the most quickest way possible is <laughs> pretty much what you're aiming at so and i know that you know it's not cool to have a lunchbox sometimes so you're looking at things that are like pat like easy to do so maybe enviro bags that you can uh, like quick velcro to open get out eat you know but remember that lunch is one meal out of maybe five or Mm. six of the day so making sure that we've got some nice grab and go ideas with some veggies and fruit in them or um you know but also some like look at the food groups that's my main Mm. group is go have you ticked five food groups roughly through the day and um, for me especially where my kids were for their first school before we moved to melbourne the bags were out in the sunshine all day in sydney and i was like yeah, even with the best insulation and by the time you put them in an insulator and a belt box yeah, and stuff, yeah. I'm like, they're going to, that you're just eating into time and attention span by having all that stuff. So I kind of made the decision at that point, protein is going to be at breakfast and at yeah. dinner. And I'm not going to worry so much about having a lot of protein in the lunch boxes because they were always risky foods given the food yeah. situation, what was happening and knowing the ergonomics of it. So I think for the older kids, yeah, you're looking at ergonomics, um, making some really good, you know, bars at home or something like that, packed mm. with nutrients. Have a look at the school's allergy policy because obviously nuts is um, something where I think most schools are nut friendly. Yeah, they of, are. You know, we don't have to maybe exclude yeah. all nuts, but um, yeah, just keeping an eye on what you are allowed to have. But um, I find that you know, having some bars or pre-made, easy to get through foods is mm. actually quite helpful for them. And 
um, cutting up fruit and veggies in a way that is quick and easy to eat. So sticks over big chunks or, yeah. So they still want to basically, when you bite into a food, you want to be able to get it over to your molars, chew for a couple of seconds and swallow it. (laughs) And, you know, there's going to be foods that are just not going to work for the lunchbox because of what's involved in just chewing them. Yeah, mm, definitely, definitely. Oh, that's a that's a great tip though. That to think about putting the protein breakfast time, dinner time, and um, focusing on what we can get into them in the daytime is just whatever they can grab yeah. and grab and, and go. Just, really, and also watch what they do with their foods. I've had a child before where I was like, the parents like, we just don't understand why it's taking her so long. Like she barely brings eats at lunch, and the teacher says, no, we give them the ten minutes. And then mm. I sat down with her, and we were doing a session, and she picked up the sandwich, had a bite, and put it down. Chewed it, picked up the sandwich, had a bite. I was like, do you always put your sandwich down between each bite? And she's like, yeah. And it's just that no one had actually watched her eat a sandwich and she's I think in year three or four at that point so for all these times she'd been that's how she ate sandwiches but she wasn't eating them on the weekends with her family yep. she wasn't eating them at the dinner <laughs> so yeah. no one was actually watching her eat this sandwich very often so sometimes it takes that second set of eyes to come in and go how about we try holding it and yes. while you chew and we tried that and she was like oh that's quicker but it was you know sometimes and like I said you always just have to check where you're at with what's going on because she might have been told or she watched someone do it and that's how she learned how to eat the sandwich um but yeah it's just that matter of how, how do they eat those foods so mm. school holidays are a great time to pack what you might normally pack them and just sit and go for a picnic and watch how they open the boxes how they approach yeah. it because you might be like I can't believe it takes you five minutes to open that yes, yeah. <laughs> and it will give you a really good insight about what you know might be happening definitely and like I've got a little story to add so my son would bring this lunchbox home and it'd be like why like this was only last year why is there still this bit here didn't you have enough time at lunch? And he's like, no, because that's in the recess section. It's like, what do you mean the recess? It's like, well, there's different sections in the lunchbox, mum. And so if I, even at lunchtime, I don't have time, I don't go back and eat that. That is just a a recess section and that'll come home still not eaten. So that was something that was a real eye opener for me to hear him, you know, voice that. So now just making sure that we've got the right amount in those sections because he's not going to have time to eat it either. So yes, just having a no, it seems like, but that's why not? And but you can never check. You have to always check what other yeah. people's understanding is because it's across the board. So many people will approach things in different ways that you may not think are logical. Yes, but to them it totally is. Yeah. So it's really good to just have those open, honest, you know, communication times or just those observation times where you're not like scrutinizing them, not talking mm. about the food, just gently being with them eating. Yeah, 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 definitely. Just definitely. seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah, no. I I think that's a great idea is during school holidays for parents to be, you know, have that time and watch their children eat because some children take a lot, being a teacher, some children do take a long time to eat and just their conversation, they're having a conversation with other people um, while they're eating so they actually then are the last finish because they're like, oh, everyone's gone and I haven't even started yet. So, yeah, definitely a great, great tip to do. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. And so, Simone, how can people find you and and reach out to you? Or what? I know you've got some great um, recipes on your website. Um, what else, though? How can people come? So my website is playwithfood.com.au. It's probably, it's up to, like, there's a lot of recipes there, but I suppose I'm most active while I'm doing my master's degree on my Instagram account. Um, and that playwithfood underscore au is my handle there. Uh, what I'm doing this year on my Instagram is actually every Tuesday publishing a recipe about chickpeas. <laughs> and I know it seems odd, but the me- there is a method to my madness. I wanted to make sure I had something to keep my account going while I'm busy doing my mm. master's degree, but also just sort of say, this is a learning food for my family. And I'm not just going to give up after one presentation chickpeas are ridiculously versatile they're really cheap and there's not that i know some people can be allergic to chickpeas but in general they fit a lot of dietary and religious requirements so they are a global food that you'll find them in most cuisines somewhere so i have taken on that challenge of showing how versatile one food can be just to remind people that we can present foods in lots of different ways you know and it's not about you know oh my kid didn't eat it banished that ingredient's gone it's about hey i can be inventive i can keep you know having it because i might enjoy that food and it's really important to remember to serve foods to your family that you enjoy and don't just get stuck in their rut with them because the more they see you enjoying food in a nice natural way the more likely they are to by osmosis understand more about that food they don't have to eat it to learn about it they just need to see it smell it they might just Mm. observe you chewing it and that'll give them so much more knowledge about what to do if that food comes along their path later in life or at another point or in a social situation because that's the skills and the things we need our kids to do so that's why i'm talking about chickpeas that was something i I, I did I did love um, that. <laughs> so I might be crazy, but no. there is a reason for it. And the other thing I've got for your listeners today is a code um, Simply Happy. At the checkout, if you want my webinar on um, like a parent seminar with some ebooks and recipe books that come with it, just on those positive language tools to use at mealtimes. So I've got a hundred of them, I think, but um, yeah, uh, I think it's really important that we learn and listen to ourselves and go, what's an ingrained habit here that's Mm. actually not serving me? And maybe I could help my kid a bit more by just doing my own language swap. And they're the things that we can take on as parents that hopefully isn't too taxing, but it might be something that um, your listeners might be interested in. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Simone, for all your tips and sharing your knowledge. And hopefully I'm sure that people will go away now and just just be curious about their own um, eating at home and their table and the things that they do and um, maybe make some language swaps as well. So thank you so much for your time, Simone. Okay, thank you for having me. Oh, no, it was our pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Simply Happy Conversation. If you'd like to reduce your stress, improve your mood, and support your immune system, then join me for an introduction to yin and nidra yoga. Over five short 10-minute online lessons, you'll start to feel calmer and more rested. Head to simplyhappy.com.au in the resources section and start today. Mm